On today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I'm results-oriented, and I feel like as a, a lot of business owners that I work with, they don't celebrate wins and successes, but we have them everywhere around us. And sometimes something that feels like a loss becomes a win, which you know happens all the time. So I would track wins, and I think if I'm winning every day and I'm creating win-win-wins, then everything will work. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. All right, what's up everybody? Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Allie Dunn on the show. It's just incredible. We just got off the call. She has a story from literally being in business from a kid, um, being being uh, involved in the business from like a marketing perspective and and licking envelopes and being pictured in in magazines and all the way through to running an unbelievably successful uh, business coaching um, business right now where she helps plenty of entrepreneurs. So she drops so many nuggets in here. She's so strategic in the answers that she gives. And so uh, grab your pen and paper because you will not be disappointed. All right, guys, Chaz Wolf gathering the Kings. Today's guest, Allie Dunn. Welcome for coming to the King stage, a fellow queen. How are you? Great, Chaz. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I, I, am, I am excited for today's conversation because you got referred to me by a guy that I know pretty well now, and, and he speaks highly of his interactions with you. And, and you know, here on, the, on Gathering the Kings, we like to keep it real. And so he said that you have some awesome business insight. And I'm hoping that today our listeners are in for a treat. In fact, I'm not hoping. I know that they are. So thanks for being here again. Thank you very much. Allie, tell us what business that you're in. I am the owner of Deliberate Directions. We are a, an executive coaching and leadership development company based here in Idaho. And we help businesses all over the country with a good portion of them being right here in Idaho, helping them grow their businesses, grow themselves so that they can lead love more deliberately. I love, I love the clarity, right? So, and of course, on your social media platforms, you, you, you use that word deliberately very deliberately. <laughs> and so good play on words there. I love that. And so tell us about like, just real quick, here's your promo moment, but tell us about like, how, how do you help these entrepreneurs? What, what do you do in this business? I find that most of, most of the people that I have the opportunity to work with are at a point in either their, their business and, or in their career that they have encountered a spot where they're either have taken it as far as they can, and they're looking to take it to the next level, that they have uh, found that what has been working for a good long time all of a sudden has shifted and is no longer working and have really done everything that they know how to do. And then sometimes, you know, we find after we do a certain career or, you know, as a business owner, it gets pretty lonely, right? And we might feel a little stuck or stagnant and we've lost our passion. And sometimes it helps working with someone to help like reinvigorate that and shift things so that it's working for us. I love that. I love that. You said really in there, one thing that stuck out to me is that sometimes it's been working. We've mm -hmm. been crushing it. 
we've been the guy, the gal, the king, the queen, whatever. But then, you know, we run into what normal business cycles look like. And sometimes that looks like to us, because we're so far into the weeds that we're stuck a little bit. So I love that, that you can once have it, had it figured out before, but mm-hmm. still need help today. And, and I would agree with that because obviously I feel like I'm crushing it, but I, I got somebody that has to give me some perspective from outside of my own forest. And so, as I think that we all should. So Ali, take me back to, because uh, obviously I know, I know a little bit of your story from, from when we talked off air, you have a, a rich history of business with family and all that stuff. So tell us about like kind of where entrepreneurship started for you, where the bug bit you. Sure. Chaz, I kind of always joke and it feels like it seems inappropriate to say that my entrepreneurial bug started at two, but I'm really not kidding. Um, raised in a family that started a business back East in New Hampshire. And, you know, it was started by my grandpa. And then when, when he passed, he passed it on to a very young, you know, my father and his sister at the time it was left to them. They were in their early twenties. Sure. Um, I was raised in a big family. So, you know, in this thriving growing business, which is a very special manufacturing niche. They kind of brought us in. We were part of the catalog. We did photo shoots. We demonstrated the product and we helped inside of our teeny itty bitty little retail store. And we put stamps on the catalogs that we mailed out. Like we were put to work. Yeah. And, you know, I'd say my, my joke is, is that like probably most little girls play with maybe dolls or, you know, do puzzles or coloring or, you know, arts and crafts and stuff like that. And dad would bring home extra equipment, like, you know, like little, like, like note taking things and an extra phone. And I had a cash register and I played store. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And I, and and I, we would do that for hours. So I love it. I love that. My, my eight-year-old little girl and, and soon to be six here in a few days, love playing cash register and yeah. they they'll set up they'll literally they'll go to the, the kitchen and pull out everything in the pantry set it up on chairs and then try to sell me my food yes <laughs> <laughs> you've got an entrepreneur in the making right there oh yes and and i love it too because obviously i'm trying to build a kingdom that they can take over one day so tell us continue on with the story how so you you got involved in the business more than just being a kid, photo shoots and stuff like that. Yeah, I did. So, you know, basically spent all of our summers working there. I went off to college and when I graduated, I was fortunate enough to be like one of my only friends in, so I graduated in 92 and we were in this like economic crisis in in the US at least. And I was the only one of my friends who had an offer letter to go back and work for dad's business. So I returned from college and ran their retail division. And, you know, I'll have to tell you, like, I believe, Part of the reason I'm a coach today is I recognize partnerships are hard. Family partnerships are even harder and recognizing that regardless of whether you have a partner in your business, having a quality sounding board that helps you work through like the struggles of, you know, the daily, the daily grind. So my dad left the business at a short little stint when they were kind of having a visionary difference. And I moved on and worked in an architectural firm as a general manager for eight years, and then ended up succeeding out of that. He took a a sabbatical and to Italy and never returned. And I also, with with a partnership through the architectural firm, ended up working in an engineering firm for 10 years. We were an employee-owned company and that was a ride. My, 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 father and his partner, which was his sister at the time, did end up actually um, coming back together at a juncture. Probably they probably took an 18 years, an 18 month, sorry, 18 months separation, yeah. <laughs> Okay, 18 year. So she retired and I actually went back to the business for a short stint to help them in a major transition before moving to Boise and opening Deliberate Directions. 
doing doing your thing. And so you you've obviously seen many angles of business. As, as, to your point, you've seen a, a growing business. You've seen a transitional business. You've been in the midst. You've seen it from the outside. You've seen family dynamics. You've you've kind of seen it all. And so thinking about most of our listeners here today are going to be in the six figures, trying to get to the seven figure mark. And so tell me, maybe it was a decision that you made, or maybe it was a decision that you saw that was made in that business. That was just a really good decision that, that the listener as they're building their business should really write it down, take notes and implement right away. Yeah. So I'll, I'll speak specific. I mean, I could, I could give you example after example, but I'm just even in like my family's business, which I have my longest history of working in. So we're a manufacturer of our own name product. And we also sold to retailers and distributors. And then this whole shift to this online world happened, you know, and what we ended up really doing at the end of the day is we ended up competing against ourselves. So in returning to the family business, the transition of actually taking our products off of the shelves and really controlling the direct to consumer element of things and then not competing for our own brand online. Yeah. You know, like one significant shift that it served us well to be a distributor, you know, in distributor market. And then it didn't anymore. Yeah, exactly. And so interesting. I, I love to kind of recap things for the listener. And so what I heard you just say is that if you have a retail location, potentially, depending upon what industry and what product you're servicing, today's world, today's environment, you you don't have to necessarily have that storefront, potentially. If you can get good at the online space, if you can get good at e-commerce, if you can get good at presence, if you can get good at transactions online, then, then potentially there's no need or maybe not as much of a need to drive foot traffic. And the whole e-commerce world is just significantly impacting retail right now. It's great. You know, the, the shift in the market is pretty crazy, but the, from even from the logistics standpoint. Okay. Yeah. I, I agree with you I, I, probably in your area too, but here in Kansas city, every, every new building that's being built is a warehouse. It's a supply chain, something, you know, whether it's Amazon or a dog food company or whatever, they're all popping up. It actually makes me think of one quick thing. And I'm, I'm actually, I've never done this on the show before, given a little bit of my experience, but I'm curious to hear what you think about it. So I'm an edible arrangements franchisee, and this was probably five years or so ago. I'm in my late twenties and I'm one of the youngest, if not the youngest at the number of franchises that I have. And I get asked a question from corporate of like, which, which one of these promos would we get more people into the store? And I said, we want more people into the store, you know, like, well, don't we just want them to buy online and then us deliver and, and less retail locations? And I, in fact, I want to close some of my stores so I can just have a one distribution center. Tell me what your thoughts are on that, because that was not met with welcome ears from, from Edible Rangers Corporate. <laughs> so, it, you know, I think it depends on like, I believe there's a huge value of pushing, not pushing, but encouraging consumers to do the transaction online, right? As, especially in today's world of, you know, COVID just in general and kind of the years that we've come through. What we get to do on an online transaction is minimize that the, the consumer back and like the, the, foot, the footprint that we have as a company, but we also get to capture their data when they do an online transaction. So if they walk into your store and they walk in and they walk out, you don't actually get a chance to actually remarket them in some way. So I'm a fan of retail storefront minimization. Although I do, you know, if I shop and I have a product that I'm consistent with, I, I do like to go there and get it, but I'll order online all day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and you're right. I don't think that there's a need Mm -hmm. to completely get rid of it. Right. It's just like, you know, when, when Geico started popping up with, you can, 
buy insurance online or even progressive now, but there's still going to be the need for the state farm agent or the farmer's agent. Like there's always going to be that percentage of customers who want to go that route. Right. So, okay, well, that's great. So tell us about kind of on the flip side of the coin, tell us about a bad decision that you've made personally, or that you've seen made in the business that would just so dirty that we, we need to know about it. <laughs> so I, I'm not going to air anyone else's dirty laundry. I am happy to, to focus on my own because I have plenty. You know, you learn from your own mistakes, right? So you mentioned that uh, you have franchise experience. And so I would say, you know, one of my big learnings in a really like good push reflection. So I'll like title back to it. So I purchased a franchise and it will um, be not named here. And I just think that it's really important to understand from a contractual standpoint that you understand the contract, which I did, but that really doesn't prevent any soured partners from coming back after you because sure. we're in a litigious society and they can just bully you anyways, anyways. So yeah. I remember my dad saying to me, I will give him credit for this because I, I was really hurt at the time he said it. He said, you know, why would you buy a franchise what you're in end game? And I now know why that was such a good question. And I didn't at the time. And so I'd say that model is perfect for so many people, but it was yep. not perfect for me. So, yeah. So you're, 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 you're on the iceberg tip of so much information. So I'm going to try to unpack some of this because I think we've gotten to the good stuff. So tell me what person out there today fits the franchise model. I believe a franchise model is ideal for someone who has had either a long career or a previous business has a window of, of experience to give or um, energy to give to something and that it's not going to be like a life fall and chain for them that goes on forever and ever. You know, franchise agreements come in a whole bunch of different sizes and shapes. Right. And if you see something beyond the first phase of that shape, you want a commitment to it. You know what I mean? And so I feel like people ideally at their, like they know nothing and that out of the box solution is ideal or they have a short amount of time and that one or two contract phases will be perfect for them as they go into the sunset and play golf or whatever it is that they do. Yeah, no, I, I love that too, because I think that there's people who are, who are building a business today and maybe they're in a franchise, maybe they're not, but down the road, like what you're saying is after owning other businesses and you want to have a period of time, cause you're right. Like I'm coming up on several 10 year agreements and, and my, my vision has changed for where I'm going. I was 24 when I purchased my first one, I'm just turned 35 a couple of days ago. And so when you're, when you're looking at this scenario, it's like, okay, well, you're right. It's a window of time and things change. And, and so like for me, like personally, I have to give edible ranges credit because they've pivoted, they've kept up with the brand. They have to do what's best for the brand. And whether that works for me or not, it that's, I have to make that choice when the renewal comes. Right. And I'd say it's incumbent upon the franchise or to stay cutting edge and bring it and change yep. with the model and change with the ways that makes it more sticky for them. And if 100%. they're not doing that, they're at risk. Yeah, absolutely. And and I would say that probably similar to you, it's like, I understand and it's great and and it served a purpose and and I, I've loved our brand. Like I'm going to, uh, there's, there's some of our, our locations that we'll hold on to for probably a, a very long time because of those markets that we really, really love. And so anyway, long story short, you're saying that there it's made for someone. So why now knowing this wasn't not the best maybe for you, but you didn't know it at the time. Obviously I'm going to go to, as we are in business, we don't know what we don't know. And so I feel like, um, an, an incredibly good due diligence process, which I did do, but there's always like more to the other side. Once you get the keys, Totally. 
And, you know, I, I guess at the, at the end of the day, if I had my dad's ear where he, when he said, what's your end game? And I went, what do you mean? I don't understand. As yeah, opposed I'm to, just, I'm just getting a business dad. <laughs> You know, like it's it's like the best and worst piece of advice, best piece of advice, bad timing. Like I didn't understand what to ask next. So yeah, maybe yeah. as you have mentors around you and they're giving you something to be resistant about, maybe and it's causing you to like get your shackles up or like shut them down or get stronger to like, you know, dig in further, figure out what's making you feel that way so that you understand. Yeah, what you just said, you actually said two things I just want to highlight for the listener. So when, when number one, you put people around you that can challenge or question the things that you're doing. So that's, that's step number one. You skipped over that one. You said it, but obviously we both, we both believe that you got to have people around you that you trust and that can speak into your life. Number two is that when they do speak in and you feel resistance, like you feel like you don't agree with them, you're digging your heels in, your suggestion is to ask yourself, why are you feeling this way? I think these are great things. You should be writing these down as you're listening right now. Okay, so Allie. Tell us what the end game looks like. Now that you know that question, how should an entrepreneur be thinking? What's my end game? Yeah, I, I knew that my end game on at least my, my first move on that was, you know, a five-year commitment and I was going to do it stellar. You know, like I was, I was just going to knock it out of the park. I was going to represent the brand. I was going to be number one. And I achieved all of those things, but that was my commitment. And so when you try to back out of it and then create your own thing. So my end game, ultimately, I believe that I'm in this game. It's going to probably change and shift over the next decade or so. But, you know, this is a long game for me and, you know, being very passionate about helping people. I ultimately, my end game is probably to be an investor in companies, ultimately, at the end of the day. And be able to help them grow, not just from a coaching perspective, but like in a more partnership type of yeah. perspective. Yeah. I love that. And and so I'm, I'm exploiting this question. Yeah. Forgive me, but I think it's, we're so, we're such on the right space of mind here, but so for the listener, they're, you know, they're building a six figure business. Maybe they're on the newer end, they're doing a couple hundred thousand, or maybe they're getting really, really close to that million dollar mark. How do, how, how should they be thinking about what their end game is? Yeah. I think that end game is different for everyone. So I know, you know, like, you know, I can probably see like 20 years from now pretty clearly because I have that long visionary um, ability. And I know some people can't even figure out what they want to do next month, next month. Sure. So getting out as far as you can and figuring out like, what is the size of your, you know, what do you want your day to be like? How much, how many days per week do you want to be working? Like as much detail as you can peel back the onion so that what you're doing today is creating what it is you ultimately want in your life. And I would say a lot of people do a photocopy life, right? Like I'm doing the same goals as last year, same goals as the year before, you know, um, you know, itty bits of growth and that's fine. Like it's not for me to judge on that, but it is, is it ideal? And I think asking, always asking that question of what, what is ideal? And at the end of the day, are you going to end up where it is you thought you would? And if you don't know, then it's worth worthwhile to set aside the time to figure out what it is you want. Yeah. So you have to decide what you want and then you have to put it down in detail and then you have to build today and tomorrow, this week, this month, this quarter, this year, so that you're making the right moves that way in one year, five years, 20 years, you're actually going towards what you want is what I'm hearing you say. Yes, correct. Okay. So if I'm a, let's say I got a couple, got a couple folks on my team and we're at the five, 600,000 mark. And I'm really trying to make the move. I'm, I'm investing into marketing. It makes me, I'm, I'm a little nervous, right? I'm, I'm investing into some ads and 
And I'm trying to hire some key people, but that makes me nervous too, because things are shifting and it's pandemic. And now we've got, you know, invasions of war and like, ah, all this stuff. Right. So where should my headspace be on the daily? If I'm trying to think I want to be an investor like you five or 10 or 20 years from now. Yeah. So knowing, knowing that you're moving strategies forward that are forward thinking, I'd say the best energy that we can as either the business owner or at least the leaders in our group is to make sure that we're supporting the team that we have that are giving them the system so they can do it consistently every single time. So that delivery or the experience is um, always evolving, but level. You know what I mean? A lot of clients that I work with. So we work them through this business blueprint and they go like, I thought I went through mastery where, you know, we have like, you know, we've got our timing down, we've got our mindset, right. We've got our finances going and then we grow our team and then it shows other cracks in our foundation. And so I feel like it's a constant building process where, you know, once you get a two to a team of 10 is different than a team of 20, you need different, you'd have different needs as you grow and different talents and skill sets on the team. And hopefully that's um, evolving you as the business owner into the right seat in your own business so that you're moving it forward. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. So you said, you said a lot there in just a few sentences, you're, you're very good at this to be able to say a couple of like 20 things in one sentence. And so for the listener, what she's saying is that number one, you have to pay attention to where you are now. And then you got to give your current people what they need so that your business doesn't go up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. I'm not talking necessarily talking about revenue, but I'm talking about just all the things of business. Okay. So you got to invest into your people. You got to invest into your experience. And so that there's some sort of par, there's some sort of baseline to where now this is the bottom and we're going to go up from here. And you can always increase that, like she said, but you're always looking for that, that, that baseline. And so that way we can just continue to raise the baseline. But if you go ever below and you're always up and down, it's always inconsistent. So she's talking about consistency here, discipline really. And then obviously once you start to grow, then different needs come up, specialty positions, knowing seats on the bus. You even mentioned knowing the owner's seat on the bus. Give us one little snapshot there. Why wouldn't the owner just be the owner? What, what, what does that mean? Sometimes a, an, a person who brings the business to fruition isn't the one who is really ideal for it to take it to the next level. And if that is your long-term game, sometimes it's best if we vacate that spot and shift over and really bring in the talent or the expertise to do that. Yeah. And just, you know, knowing what's important to you and where, what role you want to play. So based again on what it is that I'm saying that I want, I'm going to make decisions today. And even at that level, if I'm a large enough business, or maybe I'm a small business, but I want to be able to delegate certain things, giving up a little bit of my ego, it sounds like to actually put the things in place now that get me what I say that I want. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Yes. You're good at Thank you. <laughs> good. Well, no, hey, it's great. And, and you know, what I found is that, you know, the listener on the other side is, is, um, you should be taking notes. I mean, they, they don't have, they don't understand what they have in listening to you right now. And so as we look to wrap up here with our speed round, they, they need to replay this because you've dropped so much value in, in just a short amount of time here. And so um, I'm already saying thank you to you, but that's, that's why we got to We got to We got to dig out these, these nuggets because you're giving it to them. So one last question here before we go to our speed round regarding decisions still. So we kind of been on this good decision, bad decision kick here. Tell me if, if, you follow any sort of like formula or maybe you teach some of your clients to have a formula around making good decisions. I have a formula for everything. So my, my decision formula is I'm actually just going to use the, I call it a formula for success. So I believe that when I'm making a decision, I'm basing it around ultimately what it is that I want. 
And then, so if I'm looking for a certain result, then I back into it. What actions do I need to be taking and how do I need to be thinking about it? And if I'm not sure if I have the correct insights into it, I go and educate myself. I surround myself with people who are doing it. I ask people who've already been there and that allow that to drive like my next best action. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, the formula, like I always say to myself, am I ready to make a decision on this yet at this moment, based on my actions and my thinking, and if not, you know, no decision is a decision and absolutely to is. 100% own that. Yeah. Okay. So number one, you have a formula for everything. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Right. So if, if you don't, you should, you should write that down, have a formula for everything, because if you have a formula, what does that do for you, Allie? It, it tells me, it gives, shows me the path. I, I know what steps I need to implement and what, what questions I need to be asking in order to, to make the best decision ultimately. Yeah. Cause if you can create a formula ahead of time, when you're in that moment of a little bit of distress, whether it's a big decision, small decision, hiring, firing, investing, whatever it is, then you don't have to think of how am I going to work through this? You just follow the formula that you've already determined. Um, and I love what you said too, cause I very much uh, am like-minded in that way of, I always go back. What do, what, what do I want? Does this help me get what I want? And if it's a no, it's an immediate shut the door, close the book, get rid of it. Don't even think about it. And that could be, that could go all the way down to daily habits, uh, you know, bad habits, good habits, whatever it is. Does it get me what I want and lean into it if it does, right? Exactly. Lean in hard is my experience. Okay. Let's hit the, let's hit the speed round here. Uh, one word answers if you can, but uh, like I told you, I'm, I'm, I'm good for digging out more. The first question, Allie, is if you could only track one metric forever and ever and ever, what would it be? Wins. Wins. Ooh. Okay. Tell me what that means to you. I am, I'm results oriented and I feel like as a, a lot of business owners that I work with, like they don't, they don't celebrate wins and successes. And so, but we have them everywhere around us. And sometimes something that feels like a loss becomes a win, which, you know, happens all the time. So I would track wins. And I think if I'm winning every day and I'm creating win, win, wins, then everything will work no matter what. Yeah. Yep. I love that. That is so good. Write that down. You got to find wins every day. In fact, you don't even have, you, you really shouldn't even have to look for them. They're happening. Most likely you just got to, you just got to acknowledge them. Yep. Do you find that that fuels passion, a wind in the sail? Like, you know, give me some good stuff there. I am, I'm, I am 100% the person who says like, that sounds like a win. Like what are the wins from today? Like, did you celebrate that win? And what are you doing to celebrate that win? Like for me, like good things come to us when we are consistent with what we want and going after it. And if we don't celebrate those wins, they won't continue to come. So I'm like win queen. I love that. Yeah. I love that's awesome. Win queen. Okay. Second, second uh, question here on the speed round is what book should a six figure owner be reading to get to seven figures? I read so many books. So I had to I, I don't know if I can really just pick one, but I've got two that I'm going to specifically okay. mention. Is that okay? Yes. Love it. Yes. Right. Give it to us. Um, I'm a huge fan of Mastering the Rockefeller Habits, um, the Vern Harnish book. And I believe that if you are operating in, in a five-figure business or a six-figure business, this takes you to the next figure. It's just adding another zero. And I feel like it's consistency of the, of the, of the most important things. And so it does a good job at like showing you and telling you how. Nice. And I love their platform behind that as well, which I use in my business and we train on Rockefeller habits. So it's, I truly believe it and I live it. That's awesome. Um, my next favorite book is the road less stupid. And um, are you familiar with it? So Keith I am. Graham, 
runs a it, it from like the concept of like great questions you should everyone should be asking yourself and I often will just open the book and pick a tough question and I do ponder on it and it makes me sharper and I feel like if if you apply everything that you're kind of forced to think through it will save you a lot of mistakes yeah really that's that's um working on the mind getting mentors having a business coach like all of those things kind of get in that one category of what you just said of forcing you to think in a different way. Maybe it's things that you have already quote unquote thought about, but you're thinking about it intentionally, purposefully in a, in a new unique way so that you can grow. Yeah. All right. Next question. Do you intentionally network or mastermind with other business owners? Obviously you work with them. Do you, do you network and mastermind with them? Yeah, I do. Like you, I offer an opportunity for people to come together in an advisory board type format, which I believe is a format that you also offer. It's invaluable. And I'm, as a facilitator, I'm full on a participant. I'm learning just as much as the next person and as vulnerable as the next person. And I just really believe that having a group of people who have your back, who will be honest to you, because once we, once we get into leadership, often no one tells us the truth. No one tells us we have stupid ideas (laughs) and and we also get a little um, concerned about like, is this going to sound right? And at least in that type of format and group with close friends that, or a group that you can actually like hear yourself out loud, speak something and go, that didn't even make any sense. Or, wow, that sounds like a bad idea now that I've actually like, you know, said it or wow, that's a good idea. And you start to get other energies from it. So I'm, um, I'm networking. I enjoy networking and it's a, something that fills my cup. Yeah, absolutely. You've given so much there. I I don't want to impede on anymore, but, but yes. Wow. Incredible. Last question, Allie, if you lost it all today, no more business to be had, what would you do tomorrow? I would wake up tomorrow and just start all over again. I wouldn't change a thing. I love that. Why do you think that that is? I think that that is because I'm in my personal area, like my zone of genius, like the way that I get to give and get involved and provide insight is just what I'm designed to do. Yeah. Yep. I love that. When, when you're fulfilling your purpose, the, what comes out of that, obviously, whether it's your clients or business owners, or if someone owns a, a tile shop or whatever, it's when you're in the right place, the experience on the other end for, for the client is the right thing as well. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, so Ali, you have, you have completely blessed us today with just all sorts of nuggets. I wish I could spend a little bit more time extracting some of the things that you've given to us here, but I'm going to leave it up to the listener to listen to this one a couple of times and uh, pull that notebook out. If someone wanted to connect with you, whether it be they, they need business coaching or they want to just connect with you on social media or, or anywhere, how, how would they do that? Fantastic. I, I've got three ways that you can kind of learn more from me. I run a podcast called Deliberate Leaders, and that's on all of the channels. I am on LinkedIn under Allison Dunn. I am the only one. If you type it in, that's two L's and two N's, Allison Dunn. And then my website, I offer a ton of content there, as well as an opportunity to schedule a um, complimentary strategy session, which I welcome. So, and that's deliberatedirections.com. Thanks for asking. Deliberatedirections.com. Allie, you have been incredible today. I hope that your business continues to flourish and you help other entrepreneurs flourish in their businesses. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming to the King's Table today. You've been great. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, 
I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.